What is up, everybody? This is Alex, and you are listening to the American Toffee Podcast, serving up the latest Everton news with stateside views. I want to start off by saying thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, I usually like to record two episodes a week, at least, you know, a pre-match and a post-match, sometimes a little more during the transfer windows. But you may have noticed, if you have been tuning in previously, that it's been about a week and a half since I got to upload. I've had the busiest week and a half week of my entire life. I was working full time. I had exams. Uh, I ended up moving. So, you know, all that kind of played a factor. So I really apologize for not um, getting content and episodes out to all of you um, within the last, you know, nine, 10 days. But I'm super excited to be back. And so today, um, I'd like to do kind of three segments. I'm going to start off by talking about the papers. Although transfer season is over for now, um, we are always going to be linked no matter what, so that's that's exciting. Um, I'm going to go into team news, general team news, and then lastly I'd like to end it by talking about the pre-match for Watford on Saturday. So talking about the papers, um, <clears throat> we are linked with Steven Berg- Bergwin. He's a uh, PSV winger. He's also a Dutch U21 international. Um, for PSV this season, uh, he, he has scored five goals and six assists in 22 matches, which um, is pretty impressive. Uh, I want to say he's 19. Don't quote me on that. I think I saw this probably about a week ago. I was taking my notes as I went, although I couldn't record. So um, I want to say I remember he's 19-ish. Um, but, you know, my question is, why are we being linked to wingers, especially wingers that are the same age as Lookman and Vlasic, right? Um, we're all aware Lookman went to Leipzig, and he's de- he's been getting minutes. I think he started a match um, uh, last week. Obviously, he's not eligible to play in Europa League with them, so he did not start for them today. Um, but he's getting minutes. Um, we've obviously seen uh, Vlasic, Vlasic's potential at the beginning of the season. You know, he, he made a couple sub-appearances and... Um, made a couple things happen. He's definitely very technically gifted. Um, so it's kind of confusing. Part of it kind of makes you want to, well, not want to, but part of it makes you believe that maybe things aren't looking so good between the club and those two, um, especially seeing as how Vlasic was, has, has been frozen out for a couple months, it feels like, I'm pretty sure. And then Lookman is the one that forced the uh, loan move away for the rest of the season. So while, you know, it can, it's always uh, exciting to see this type of link, especially promising young guys, um, it's also, in my mind, somewhat alarming. So, the Liverpool Echo reported about a week ago, I think, that Everton are ready to offload Michael Keane. And I don't know who saw the article or saw news, um, but I'm calling complete BS on that one. There is absolutely no way Everton are are ready to offload Michael Keane, right? He, you know, we paid a big fee for him over the summer, although, yes, he's had some pretty bad games. Who hasn't, especially on defense, right? Furthermore, you know, he's, he's a younger guy. What, he's 24, 25? Um, and generally speaking, especially as a center-back pairing, you pair, you'd like to pair a younger center-back with an older, more experienced, for example, Jaggy Alcar-Williams. And they haven't been playing well either. I personally, from what I've seen, I could be completely wrong, but from what I've I've witnessed and, and uh, been able to catch, it seems like Jagielka's got a much better communication 
um, than Williams does. You know that could that could be um, complete. Uh, that could be completely false. But for some reason, I, I don't know. For some reason, I haven't made up in my mind that he does. And and yet, Jack Yelk has really not seen much of the pitch this season. It feels like. Um, but I I just I do not feel like that's there's any truth in that whatsoever. I didn't see that they cited any source or anything like that. But I just don't see it. And I think that would be the dumbest thing that Everton could do, period. So, <clears throat> here's a big one. And Bleacher Report released a uh, top 10 most expensive squads in Europe list. And you guessed it, Everton are on the list at number 10. Everton's squad is listed at, it, to be worth 365 million euros the 10th most expensive squad in Europe. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty blown away myself, right? I don't really know what to think. Um, I think face value, we did do most of our spending in the last two windows, right? I think, I think the number is, you know, 200-something, maybe 220 million euros or something like that within or since the summer. So... You know, I think part of it is that kind of explains it because we did most of our spending on the squad during a period in which football in general has become very inflated, right? Um, I think it's fair to say that most values or most players being valued are um, complete trash. I don't, I don't think most players are worth what they're being sold for. But that's the name of the game, right? TV money gets infused and... And, uh, you know, other clubs can hold you at ransom for, um, you know, when they, when they figure out how much money you've got. Um, I also think that it's pretty logical to say that Everton is always, is and was always going to have to overspend in order to push for the top six, right? You don't get on the level of Man U, Man City, um you know, Spurs, dare I say it, uh, <clears throat> you can't you can't attract the same players they can like for like, right? You cannot offer the same package to the same player as Man U, Man City, Spurs, and expect them to choose Everton. You can't. It sucks, but you cannot. So at the end of the day, you're going to have to overpay on transfer fees, and you're going to have to overpay on wages. That's how it's got to be in order to push for the top six. So I think between those two points, it does paint a different picture than what you see from you know, face value of, you know, top most expensive squads in Europe and you see Everton are number 10. But I will end with this. It is still not a valid excuse for how we've been performing. Or what, you know, in general, if you look on paper, right, we have an extremely talented squad. There's no reason why we should be struggling to be in the top half of the table. Absolutely no reason. But at the same time, when you look at the, when you look at the squad we have, right, you don't look at that squad and say that they're worth almost 400 million euros. You just don't. So, even even with today's prices, um, so, I don't know. I think I have, I definitely still have a pessimistic outlook on it, but I think with, you know, a couple of, the, a couple of those points made, it, it makes a little bit more sense. And lastly, under the papers um, kind of section, we are linked with Diora from Napoli. His agent confirmed that there has been Premier League interest. I don't know that uh, the agent said any any specific teams. I doubt it. 
Um, but to kind of, kind of give you a little bit of a background, he plays in the, in the center of the pitch, central midfield, um, can play as a central defending midfielder. He's 19 years old. From clips I've seen and articles I've read, it looks like he's pretty strong, which is good. Uh, I want to say he's about six foot. He's got good endurance, good stamina, and a really good passing range, um, especially for how young he is. So I think that those are all three perfect traits to make it in the Premier League, especially being strong and having good stamina, good endurance. Um, I think that that is one of the more exciting links I've seen in a while. Um, although I was extremely sl uh, excited over the summer about Klassen specifically, so uh, who knows. But we'll see what happens. So moving on to team news, I want to make a big public service announcement I saw today. Kits are 60% off as of today. They were 50% off. I saw a couple weeks ago they were 40% off. Um, if I remember from the last couple of years, they'll go all the way down to 70%. So, you know, if you are still feeling extra blue in the next month or two, and you'd like to purchase the kit from this uh, dumpster fire of a season, um, I would wait. If I remember correctly, like I said, they go down to 70%. And if slash when they do, I will be getting one. I just cannot decide between Sigurdsson, Sigurdsson or Davies. Um, you'll have to let me know what your opinion is on that. But th that's that's kind of my conundrum. My girlfriend tells me I should get Sigurdsson. Um, but, you know, I also think it could be pretty cool to get a Davies with a 26 on the back. Especially because I do firmly believe that in the next couple of years, you know, in the next year or two, maybe he'll re-sign and maybe even get a, a better squad number. And I hope that he's the type to stay around for a good while, assuming uh, Everton can get their stuff together and start pushing for what they what they say they can. So I don't know. I'll have to see. But uh, as most of you know, Everton went off to Dubai for a week-long training camp because uh, they had you know the break on the weekend last weekend. Now, they started putting out what I really liked and what I saw um, was they started putting out, like, I think they called it Everton Unseen. And <clears throat> they were doing videos of inside training, like very personal videos, and videos of, of uh, the squad in the gym. And I thought that was very cool because you got to see, you know, the guys doing all the different exercises they do, different drills, um, that type of thing. But the coolest part, I think, as a fan is seeing how they interact with each other, um, kind of quote-unquote behind closed doors. Um, and so that was very cool to see. I really I really enjoyed that. Um, if you didn't get to check it out and you got some time or you're bored or whatever else, go to, go to the Everton uh, Facebook page, um, or I think even Twitter had it, and check those out because they were a lot of fun to watch. But overall, I think, you know, it's it's you know, uh, titled as the warm weather training camp. And we've done it for the last couple of years now, at least. Um, and I think the goal is one to kind of give, give the team a break. They've been practicing and playing in, in, you know, cold winter at this point in the season, um, ridiculous amount of matches back to back to back. And obviously this season specifically, things haven't been going well. So, Obviously, the main I think the main objective for the training camp was to boost morale, right? To get fit and just kind of get a, a mental reset on training and and 
um, getting ready for the weekend, but also I think, um, in my opinion, the biggest thing that I hope they got out of the training camp was kind of gelling and getting to know each other better, right? Because I don't think that it's as surprising as it came to everyone that we didn't do very well this year and that we're not doing very well this year because you can't throw 10, 12 new guys into a squad, throw out, you know, get rid of six, seven, eight of them, of the guys that were there, and expect everyone to gel, especially coming from different different countries, um, guys that don't even speak English yet, um, and expect everyone to just get along and, and be able to gel on and off the pitch and stuff like that. And, you know, right when, right when results start going poorly, and they did very quickly this season, um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of a downward spiral from there. So that's the main thing I really hope that they got out of the training camp was, um, kind of getting to know each other better. And if you're on Instagram and follow some of the guys, you know, you see Tozun and Balassi and Davies and all of them commenting on each other's pictures and, and videos and stuff. So that's pretty cool to see. I think, I think that they're definitely taking to Tozun, um, really well and, and making him feel welcome. And so, I'm excited to see how uh, that plays out for the rest of the season, specifically uh, in a couple days on Saturday. Another big, a uh, big controversial issue I saw over the last couple days was that it was being record or reported that in the fall Ghana signed a new five-year deal that keeps him at the club until 2022, and it wasn't announced until a couple days ago, maybe yesterday or day before by the club. And everyone's just sitting there like, why was it not announced? Did it just slip through the cracks maybe? Uh, did it get like did it get overlooked because our results were just so poor that the last thing on everyone's mind was to, you know, announce it? I don't know. It's kind of odd. Um I, I do not know what to make of that, to be honest. I really don't. Um I think when the reports came out about a week ago, they were citing that the the FA did um, the, the, the FA records showed that he did indeed sign a new contract in, in the fall, October or November. So I don't know. That's, that's very odd to me. Um, as we all saw last match, Mangala was hurt. Um, he had a, a pretty bad landing when he kind of collided with the keeper. And it looks like, according to reports, that he's most likely going to be out for the remainder of the season, which means for the remainder of his loan. And for me, that's really, really disappointing. Um, if you listen to my previous couple episodes, I, for one, might, and I might be in the minority here, but I was excited to see what he could do over the next couple months. Um, there's no doubt that he can be a good player, and he is a good player. He's just not the ball-playing center-back type that um, Pep likes to uh, you know, deploy over there, and... Obviously, you know, he's not, he's by no means world-class, um, which, as we know, this year's City are 100% world-class. Um, so I was really excited to see him come and see what he could do, and I, I was hoping that it, it would it would bode well. Um, so I'm very, very upset to find out that he's most likely going to be out for the remainder of the season and for his loan, because that tells me that, you know, I don't think there's a very high chance that he's going to be playing in a blue shirt ever again um i don't know that he has the same opportunity uh in the summertime to come back even on loan um maybe he does i'm not sure 
but I think that it's very slim to none. And so I'm, I'm pretty upset about that one. Now, at least a week ago, um, Funes Mori and Holgate played together in a U23, U23's match prior to even going to do the uh, Dubai training camp. Um, I found that very interesting because, you know, maybe that's a possible precursor to a partnership in the making. Um, I know over the last couple of days with with Instagram posts and stuff, Funes Mori was hinting on social media about making his return on Saturday. He keeps saying he's quote-unquote excited to play or excited to return. So I'm not sure what to make of that, you know, being gone, being out for, I think it's been almost a year. I'm pretty sure he was, he was injured in March with Argentina. So it's been almost a year. I don't know what to make of that coming back from the Dubai Dubai, uh, training camp and starting right away. Um, And, you know, maybe, maybe he's not actually hinting at it and he's just excited to be in the squad Saturday. Um, I find it far-fetched to think that he would, he would start right away, but we will see. And there was another really interesting report. Lastly, in under team news, under the team news segment, right, there was a super interesting um, interview with Sam Allardyce. And the reporter was asking about Tom Davies, and this was after um, the match against Crystal Palace, right? So a week and a half ago, a week ago. And, you know, the question was essentially, how did Tom Davies get back into the team? Because he was even left out of the squad, I think, a couple times recently. And... Um, if y'all have watched, um, if y'all have watched interviews or, or read articles from Allardyce over the last couple months, you'll see that he's very, very big into statistics. Um, looking at stats for training and games and matches, um, and he mentioned those specifically when he was looking at the transfer market. Um, you know, n- a number of times talking about Tozun, saying he's the best in in Europe available at the moment. This, that, and the other. Well, he mentioned that Tom Davies walked up to the training staff and asked what he had to do specifically, what do I need to do to get back into the team? And they said, well, here are your statistics in training, not in matches, but in training. Here's what you're doing. Here's what you're not doing. And these are the things you're going to have to improve in training. If you can do that, then you'll be back in the team. And uh, he obviously did it. He made it happen. Um, And according to Allardyce, he deserved the start. And I don't know about you, but... You know, maybe I'm starting to lean towards getting a Davies kit instead of uh, Sigurdsson because that is amazing. And you kind of wonder why others don't do the same thing. Um, maybe they have, but it's interesting that you don't hear more more stuff like that. You know, it's when he, when he talked about it, it seemed out of place, and I feel like that's not something that should feel out of place. Um, but nonetheless, that's that's super exciting, and I think it's it's a it's a nice thing that he he shared um, because it's good to know that obviously I think the fan base is pretty united in, in, in thinking that he's a very hard worker and stuff but it's nice to know that he wanted it so bad that he was able to take you know the criticism make it happen in training and now he's back out on the pitch so we will see if that continues on Saturday so finally in, into uh, the part I know you've all been waiting for, I've been waiting for, is the pre-match. So, the Blues um, travel to Vicarage Road on Saturday. Um, I believe they lost their last match against West Ham away. Um, they they started in a 3-4-3 three, three 
formation with a very, very familiar face in De Lafeu. They actually had most of, pos most of the possession even away at West Ham. Um, they had the same amount of shots on target, but they lost 2-0. I personally did not get to, check, get to catch the match. Um, but that tells me that they were able to kind of dictate the tempo of the match. Um, and it seems, obviously, that they were set up to do so in their 3-4-3 formation. Um, but they didn't take the chances. And uh, knowing Gerard de la Feu, uh, that doesn't seem uh, too outrageous to say. But my preferred lineup for the Blues on Saturday is going to be Pickford, obviously. Always undisputed in my mind. You're ever going to ask me. I'm always going to tell you Jordan Pickford will start. The back line, I'd like to see... Seamus Coleman, Michael Keane, Phil Jagielka, and Leighton Baines. Um, now, obviously, there are a couple asterisks in that in that back line. Seamus Coleman and Leighton Baines. Um, Coleman came off because he had some type of muscle strain or whatever um, against Crystal Palace. He came off at the half, so not sure if he's going to be fit and ready to go or not. I hope he is. So if he is, I've got him in my lineup. Otherwise, Kenny gets the start, obviously. Keane and Jagielka... Um, Again, I think that um, I think that, that I personally think that's our best center back pairing. Um, maybe Mason Holgate can slide in there ahead of Keane, depending on form. But I still rate Keane very much so, um, and I still think that Jagielka offers a lot, specifically pace against the counter attack. He's always good at wiping up uh, mess, and um, I think he just adds. You know, I, I think we just need the true captain out on the pitch. Um, Again, he's always out there yelling at the guys, making sure everyone's um, focused and um, giving it their best shot. So I'd like to see those two in the center of the pitch. Um, and then Baines, again, um, I saw in those uh, Everton unseen videos in training um, and in the gym that he was training, you know, with Jagielka. Um, so, you know, lifting weights, doing exercises, stretching, all this good stuff. So I'd love to see him start on Saturday. We will find out. Otherwise, um, I think Martina gets the start. You know, Luke Garbett's in the squad now. He's, at, he's in Dubai with the rest of the team. But it kind of says something still that, you know, last weekend, or sorry, not last weekend, weekend before last, last match, um, he still didn't make the squad. He's been in training with them. Um, I don't doubt it, to be honest. I know people were saying in, in a couple U23 matches last month that he was still very... Um, he, he looked like he was at, you know, the right level, essentially. He didn't um, he didn't impress compared to anyone else on the pitch, and that kind of says something, uh, especially if you're trying to push for the first team. So I think Martina gets the start there. So moving to midfield, um, my midfield is going to be unchanged from the last match against Crystal Palace. I'd like to see Ghana and Rooney sitting a little deeper, right? Obviously, Ghana doing what he does best, breaking up uh, play, putting in tackles. Rooney sitting deep, kind of trying to do the same thing, but for the most part, um, trying to transition the ball from defense to attack, uh, picking out some nice long passes, that sort of thing. And then Davies, um, a lot more forward and in a fluid type of position, kind of like what we have seen in the last couple weeks month or so um using his energy as an his stamina to press pretty high but you know with that pressure 
opens up a little bit, uh, well, a lot more space for Sigurdsson. Um, so I guess moving on to the quote-unquote forward three, um, Sigurdsson obviously on the quote-unquote left. Again, it's pretty unbalanced, um, but it's the best we can do for now. I think that Sigurdsson, you know, he's going to find space uh, in a more central location, which is obviously where he's most effective while Davies is is occupying um, maybe a defensive midfielder or center backs, making those runs, also helping connect play between defense and attack. Um, up top, I want to see Tozun over Nias. Uh, they offer the exact same work rate, but Tozun is is ahead above Nias in terms of um, technical ability. His finishing via um, clips, but also looking at a couple of the training videos over the last week is superb. Um, we know Nias is, is not a stranger to missing a lot of big chances. So I'd really like to see Tozun start. I know he said in an interview about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, that he knows that by the next match, which is this Saturday in two days, that he was going to be a lot more fit and ready to start. Um, so let's hope that happens. And then lastly on the right, uh, I think you can probably guess, but Theo Walcott. Um, Theo has started four matches for Everton since arriving, and he has two goals and two assists to his name. It's a no-brainer. He he looks the most confident on the pitch every time he comes out. Um, he's He plays very direct. He offers a lot of width and pace, um, but he also can score goals, so... I'm excited to see him continue to develop within with the team, and and I really hope again Coleman's out there because they they look like they have an instant connection, um, an instant partnership that's really I think going to be fruitful over the next couple years. Now, I mentioned this um, last episode, but I want to mention it again. It's a very interesting t- statistic, and we all know um, Allardyce was out in the media a couple weeks ago talking about how Rooney and Sigurdsson cannot play in the same team. They offer uh, you know, they're, they're too slow. They can't cover enough ground um, for how he likes to play, how he likes to defend. And then next thing you know, he starts both in the same team. Now here's a statistic for you. In seven matches that we have started, both Rooney and Sigurdsson, we've won five, we've drawn one, and we've lost one. So let that sink in. They can't play together, but out of seven, we've won five, drawn one, and lost one. So that tells me that they absolutely can, and they absolutely should and will. Um, I think maybe, I really honestly hope for my sanity that he was kind of trying to play some mind games with the media and stuff like that. But um, that tells me that it should continue to be that way. Um, Again, the balance is thrown off, having Sigurdsson up top, and he's always moving centrally. But Martina's been good at at moving, um, at kind of shuttling the left-hand side, and and being able to figure out when to go forward and when not to. Um, again, he's always going to get caught out. I know your your uh, your uh, rebuttal to that is going to be that he gets caught out all the time and this, that, and the other. But again, you know, if he's literally the only wide player on the left-hand side as Sigurdsson is floating inside and nobody's taking his, his place, he's he has to get caught out. That's how it works. Um, again, it's just part of how the, the squad is so unbalanced. I generally speaking would tell you that Balassi should start up top, um, but I think that the midfield three from last match, Ghana, Davies, and Rooney, is too good to break up. It was functional. We scored three goals, which is hard to come by this season, apparently. Um, and so I don't think that it should be broken up. And Sigurdsson has to start. So that leaves Balassi on the bench, but 
he won't stay there for long on Saturday if he if he indeed uh, does not start. So finally, in kind of the pre-match um, uh, bit, just so that you can note, um, we are in ninth place, two points from Burnley, who's in seventh. But here's the kicker: we play Burnley next weekend, March third. So if we can win the next two matches at Watford, um, Burnley, I'm actually not sure whether that's home or away. I want to say it's away, but don't quote me. Um, if we can win those two matches, I think we'll be sitting in, in a very good spot. Um, morale will be high after coming back from the Dubai uh, training camp. You know, guys getting fitter again. Um, so I'm very excited to see how that works out. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. It feels, it feels good to be back um, recording again. I always have a lot of fun doing this and, and interacting with all of you. Um, kind of an update on what I've been doing. Um, as of today, tonight, I'm going to be contributing to Prince Ta- PrinceRupertsTower.com. Um, it's part of the fan-sided network, which is under the Time Incorporated umbrella. Um, I think my podcasts are going to be uploaded there, and I'm going to be writing um, for them, contributing to the website. It's a it's an Everton-specific website. So if um, you guys want to check out PrinceRupertsTower.com, um, it's a really cool site, um, good writers, uh, a lot of good content, um, gets updated pretty regularly, uh, so I think that you'll, you'd really enjoy it, and I would really appreciate the support, too, as I'm kind of getting deeper in my involvement in Everton-related stuff, you know, podcasting, writing, all that good stuff. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, or if you have iTunes um, podcasts, and you'd like to subscribe, please subscribe. Um, also, rate and review the podcast. That helps me a ton. Um, when you search for, you know, quote unquote, Everton in the search bar for podcasts, um, having the numbers, the sheer numbers, uh, helps me stay on the front page for Everton related podcasts so people can continue tuning in. Um, I do absolutely plan on uploading a post-match verdict on Sunday. So be, lo- be on the lookout for that. And as always, again, thank you so much for tuning in.